you know, not having the musical intro makes this whole thing so much more difficult to kick off. But I'm feeling musical. What is it, 10.37 on Thursday? 10.37 a.m.? I know I'm a little late. I know y'all probably got a little spoiled by last week because uh, I recorded the night before and popped it up here like early, 7.30. A lot of y'all probably woke up like it was Christmas. Like, oh my God, it's a show. Yes, it was. Um, But this week is different. It'll be more like... uh, It'll be more like, like, say you got to work at 7 a.m., right? And it was just shit happening right away. By the time you go on your first break, I'm ready for you. If the first half of your day is shit, the Rojo show will revive the second half. Because it'll be, I mean, it's 10.37, probably get done around with this around 11.45, Probably be posted by Noonie. And it'll be it'll be there for you. What am I talking about? I'm talking about episode 30. Episode 30 of the Rojo Show. Welcome. How's everybody doing? Donkey Shane. Darling, Donkey Shane. Um I'd, I'd like to start off this podcast by shouting out Party Girl Mom. Party girl, mom. Um, I had every intention of this being my first. Well, no, I didn't. I was going to say I had every intention of this being like the first sober Rojo show. No such thing. Um, Went over to my mom's house. And after I got from the DMV, I was at the DMV early. Department of Motor Vehicles had to change. Well, I, so everybody who listens to the show knows that a couple, no, it's not a couple weeks ago, probably about a month ago at this point, I got pulled over by the dickhead 5 because um, my front headlight is damaged and they said it was out and they gave me a ticket and took my license. Went to court. Of course, the cops didn't show up, which I didn't mind. But they lost the ticket and my license. So I had to get a new license. And while I was at it, I figured I might as well just change my address on it. Went to the DMV. Was in and out of there in 25 minutes. Thank God. Because, you know, them DMV trips are like those trips to the county. They can take they can take all day. Feel me? You come up there and the line is out the door. Came in, walked right up, gave a couple, excuse me, ma'am, excuse me, miss. I, I, I don't usually, you know, I don't usually do this. I need a little assistance, that kind of thing. They like when you humbly ask for help. Got sent in the right direction. Got in, got out, bada boom, bada bing. The the couple of proofs of address I had uh, were sufficient. And they took care of me. So on the way home. Um, getting get my mom's crib. I'm like, Mom, how you feeling? You want to take a shot? She's like, I'll do one. <laughs> she says, I'll do one at t- at whatever time. It was. <laughs> 
she likes to be out there, but she don't want me to put her out there. That's the thing. She likes being, she doesn't mind being out there, but she doesn't want me to put her out there. Long story short, we ended up doing two shots. And um, I'm a little more tipped than I thought I'd be. I'm on two shots out of 1,800 and half a payday for protein. But episode 30 of the Rojo Show, got some topics, give you a bit of a roadmap. Um, winter finally here in Chicago. All you warm weather states can eat it. I know I got a lot of fans in Texas. Love y'all, but not trying to hear about y'all weather. Not trying to hear about that 70 degree shit, 80 degree shit. Um, kid gets frostbite, severe frostbite. I'll, I'll tell you why that's significant while we're talking about it. I got a couple topics about this 16 and Pregnant show on MTV, or more so the the products of the show. And then we're going to talk some basketball with this top 10 point guard list. And hopefully that'll bring us into around an hour, hour and a half, hour 15 more realistically. I know last week's podcast was a doozy. It was two hours of, in my opinion, it was heat rock. I was I was very, very satisfied and fulfilled by last week's podcast. Shouts out to Gus. Um, Gustavo Moreno, look out for his books, look out for his short stories. He's on the rise. And when you hear about him in the same breath as um other other authors that you may be familiar with or when you when you hear his name listed amongst uh amongst the elite please remember where you got it from first the rojo show episode 30 episode 30 but yeah um shouts out to gus for the last show it was very tangenty which i know isn't a word um it's more of a rojoism it was we went we 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 throw out one topic and that topic led us somewhere else and I wasn't trying to stop that progression. I was all about that move. I was all about just following the wave and surfing that bitch. And um I'll probably have him back after we both see Batman vs Superman. But um cuz I definitely had some other questions for him. Definitely had some things I wanted to delve into, but you know, had to ease him in, pause I had to, um, you know, I wanted him to be comfortable. I didn't want to, like, ambush him with some shit. Because me and Gus, we have, like like we said on the podcast, we haven't, like, talked or seen each other in a couple years. So, uh, it was good, number one, that he accepted the invitation. Uh, it was good, number two, that he didn't think that I was going to, like, uh, like, tie him up and rob him when he came to the crib. Because, I mean... I, I don't know what kind of neighborhoods he's familiar with, but to come straight into this part of High Park is, uh, I don't want to say it takes a little bit of bravery, but I know some people who would double, who would, you know, think twice, but, uh, he didn't think, he didn't think twice about it at all. He brought his own drink and, you know, we got a little scummy and, uh, it was a real nice time. Shouts out to Gus for coming through. Definitely brought some good perspective. Um, definitely brought some, some just a, a, a needed, um, oh, I got to turn that shit off. Hold on.
There we go. Just a um a needed and necessary sounding board or wall for me to like throw things off of and throw things back, you know. Um so that was that was awesome. I got a lot of guests lined up. Um trying to get my man Matt on here. Eventually I'll get a real episode with E on here. Um Chief is about to get married. Might want to have him on here before he's completely handcuffed. Um, want to get some ladies. I'd love for Andrea to come on here. She's got she's got some perspective, and I think she'd speak honestly about it. Still want Hector on here. Um, uh, Danielle's probably going to make an appearance. A lot of people. I mean, listen, I am not funny about who comes on the show because I feel like anybody I F's with is going to bring something substantial to the table, something entertaining. Something that uh, not only will make me laugh or entertain me, but I feel like will be entertaining to the people. So um, definitely working on that. Definitely going to make that happen uh, in 2016. A lot of big shit popping uh, and little shit stopping for the Rojo show this year. But I digress. If you're in Chi-Town, winter is definitely here. Am I wrong? Am I right or am I wrong? Pretty sure um, there were more than most of the days last week, it was below zero. Last night it was eight degrees. Now it's 30. So this, I'm, I'm still, all you climate deniers, you better be taking note of this shit because, um, yeah, 2015, 2015 was probably one of the warmest years, warmest winters. You know, a long, long time so far. You know, I never really trusted until February. February is when, you know, you can lose your dick in the cold. But um, it snowed twice last week. Nothing was, like, too heavy. It wasn't, like, that heavy, compacted snow that, like, you walk outside and it's, like, five inches of it. It was very kind of fluffy and... Easy to scrape off the car. I mean, all my Chicagoans, all my cold weather states, you know, you know, that's you, you know what I'm talking about. You know when you have to wake up and it's necessary to put that other level, that other layer on. You know, you need that skin layer, that layer that replaces your skin. Now, me being the type of guy I am, I have to under armor like the rock. So I put on the long, you know, the uh the compression pants, the compression top, cold weather, cold weather compression top, cold weather compression pants. And I could go out there and that, my G, you know, because I was raised in this. You know, I'm like I'm like the bane of winter. You know, you, you merely adopted the winter. I was born in it. You know, December 15th. Feel me? I was born in the cold. All right. Went to high school at Jones. Red line home. Crack sales. Red line home. That's old school shit. People don't only uh, probably only E and Natural know what that is. But back me and said, I copy you tomorrow. My eyes so red that I can see tomorrow. Listen, I'm I'm obviously a little twisted, more twisted than I planned on being. But that's anyway. Um, all of my warmest coats are still in storage. I got my North Face vest, which layers well, and I got some nice sweaters and hoodies and shit. 
Um, surprisingly, my Alpha Industries bomber is like super warm. So when I throw that on with the Champion hoodie, I'm pretty set. But uh, I've probably worn that a little more than I've wanted to. It's, I mean, it's not a it's 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 a fairly exclusive piece, you know. Um, it was held at a prominent store, but they sold out fast. I haven't walked in anywhere and seen anybody else with it on, but um, probably wore it a little more than I wanted to. So I, I want to get another one, but the way my bank account is kid, the way my bank account is set up, you know, I got all my money in my savings. I got to move it to my from my savings to my checking, and that takes you know three to five days. So winter is definitely here. I haven't really had to shovel anything. Um, because the building gets, you know, shoveled by the, the maintenance people or whatever, but, uh, definitely been cold. Definitely got to warm that car up and get that, uh, get that defrost going, but it wasn't bad. Winter hasn't been bad. There was a interesting case I read of the other day, 17 year old boy. Decided to ride his bike to his friend's house. And people that know me know that, you know, riding a bike in whatever weather is not foreign to me. Um, Usually my cutoff with riding a bike is 25 degrees. If it's less than 25 degrees, I'm not riding a bike. I need to ride. I need to drive. But... 25 degrees is usually my cutoff, and it's always including two pairs of gloves. The first pair of gloves is like a base um, layer. It's like a woven waffle knit type of thing, kind of like a um, kind of like a thermal. And then over that, I'll put on like a grippy pair of like riding gloves or something like that. And then once you get your blood pumping and you get warm, you know, you, you're good. The thing on a bike is to get your... You want your shoulders up around your neck to keep that warm, and you don't want you want to move as little as possible, and you want to make sure that your top layer has to be some kind of windbreaker layer to get that shit off. You don't want to wear too much because then you'll be sweating, and you never want to really you you never want to be like really really sweaty when you're out in the cold. But you want that top layer to be some kind of wind resistant. Something so you can cut through, especially in Chicago, period, because we're the duh, windy city. But a young man, a graduate from Richards High School, shout out to Sam, shout out to Dwayne Wade, Richards graduates, the only ones I know, um, rode his bike in eight degree weather from Chicago Ridge to Alsip. Now, this is not a short ride. Like, when I was riding in cold weather, I was riding from Pilsen to downtown. That's 30 minutes. That's an hour walk. Wherever he was in Chicago Ridge to Alsip, wherever he was going, is an hour ride both ways. He got home. He rode to his buddy house, rode home, no gloves either way. I would have some socks on my hand or something. I mean, I would have had on Bradley's gloves or some pink ones with the clips that attach to your coat. Something. I wouldn't have been out there with nothing. Okay. And we're assuming that this was like a well put together bike 
that like I mean God forbid that he didn't have like handlebar wraps or like like cause metal on met like having your hand on like the other night right I was putting some air in my tires and the no- the tip of the nozzle was metal and I was like out in the cold and I was I was only out there for five minutes but I was very concerned about my hands getting damaged because they were definitely numb. By the time I got into the car, but not frostbitten. Like, I couldn't imagine. So he rode to his friend's house. He rode home, and he went to sleep. You can't tell me that he didn't know something was wrong before he went to bed. Supposedly, before he went to bed, he just couldn't feel them. And I don't know how long this nigga's been in Chicago, but if you can't feel your fingers, that's a bad sign, my G. It's a bad sign. He said he went to sleep. He woke up and it felt like his hands were burning. Felt like his hands were burning. They had blisters on them. He told his mom, we have to do something right now. Mom took him to the hospital. The doctor saw that shit and freaked out. They was like, oh, my G, we need to, we need to put you in a burn unit right now. Because basically that's what frostbite is it, it reacts like a like a second and third degree burn they put him in a burn unit they wrapped him long story short it'll be months before they know whether he has to have fingers amputated or not now my question is this what the fuck was he doing that was that important at his boy's house. Judging by his fingers, it looks like he may smoke Reggie. And if you don't know what Reggie is, it is a low quality of marijuana. He's got Reggie fingers, you know, got that long thumbnail to split blunts or whatever. Um, it's very, very fishy. I mean, was he going over there to play... 2K16, was he going over there to play FIFA? I don't know. I can't I can't believe that his game was any good after riding an hour in the cold. An hour both ways. So this is this is him riding there. This is the first hour. You can't tell me nothing was wrong with his fingers then. The second hour had to just make it worse. Going home. What was he doing? Now, they don't mention the gender of his friend. I would love to assume on my own, and if not, at least for the sake of this podcast in the next five minutes, that he was going to get some palsy. That's, that's my plies impression. Some palsy. Some, some, some vagina. So, you know, going to see a lady. Now, God and my mother know that I've done some ridiculous things when I was 17 for the love of vagina. Um, (laughs) I and possibly some of my listeners know that as an adult, I've done some ridiculous, (laughs) I mean, I've never ridden a bike an hour. I've, I have definitely driven an hour. I have definitely driven an hour and my nigga, it was worth it. I stand on that till today. It was worth it. I, I'd ride, I'd do, I'd. Would I do it all the same all over? I wouldn't do it exactly the same. Uh, I would definitely make some some slight adjustments or some changes. 
but uh, I'd still end up out there if that makes any sense. Um, But yeah, I, I mean, so when I was 17, definitely. I have some friends. I have some friends who I'm not gonna call out who have some hellacious stories about things they've done. Two hour rides to the north side. The 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 red line to the end, not not the, not to the end, the red, the, the nine fit nine five west to the green line, the green line all the way to the end, transfer to the orange line, orange line halfway, little walk. And this is like at four in the morning. You feel me? I have some friends with some stories about what they've done for that. That sweet, 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 sweet slit. I, I won't give any names, but they know who they are if they are listening. And their friends may know if they're listening. But in eight degree weather, my G, I don't know about that. I don't know about that at all. I mean, even in high school, like, I know that I have, like, taken the bus and the train to my, at the time, girlfriend's house and then taken the bus from there to, like, places I needed to go or just, I've more so extended trips than made extra trips. But like I said, I know people who have gone above and beyond the call of duty, and that just speaks to how... Mm, how, how, how top notch the quality of that was. Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm imagining it for him. And listen, I he won't get any complaints from me. Do what you need to do, my G. But other than that, other than that, I don't really know what. I mean, I guess if my mom really needed something, like somebody in my family was like. In, in dire need, but not without gloves. You need gloves. Even if it was a chick, by the time you get there, your fingers are all blistered and swollen. You can't even really operate. You can't even really operate. I mean, that might work in your favor because then you could be like, look, baby, I just need you to take care of me. Okay, daddy. That's always been weird to me. I, I, has a girl ever called me daddy? Maybe one. Maybe one girl called me daddy. I don't think I asked her to. It was just like, uh, and that doesn't count for like Latino girls who say poppy. That's a different level. But no, I'm talking about non-Latino girls calling you daddy, like black girls, white girls. I think maybe one, but uh, it kind of weirded me out. I don't know if it would weird me out now. It would weird me out now if she was like 19. But then I don't really have, I don't, well, that goes against my whole thing about breaking, um, like breaking, not stereotypes, but like you're like, okay, so tangent. I have a real big issue with every time we have images of black men you know, mentoring to young black men, you always have to be these guys in these suits. It seems like everybody, every other culture is comfortable with the look of success changing, except black people. 
black people are still hung up on this. You're going to be a doctor or you're going to be a lawyer. You know, uh, fuck that at this point. Like, there are millionaires. If you go to California, millionaires don't wear suits. There's nobody in uh, Silicon Valley wearing a suit. Maybe on special days, but otherwise they look very casual and comfortable because that's what money affords you. If at, at some point your work should speak for yourself and black people, and I'm, I'm sure there's a bit of this in just minority cultures, period. There's way more of a focus on what and how you present yourself. But like my nigga, like Outcast said, every nigga with braids ain't for the, ain't for the cause, ain't for the fall, and every nigga with dreads ain't for the cause, especially now. So if people are talking about what's successful and who's successful and if you own a, if you're Ryan Henry and you own a successful tattoo business, you're not showing up to speak about your, your job or your business in a suit, are you? If you're if you're Derrick Rose, are you showing up to 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 I mean, I, I guess athletics are different because you can always kind of get away with I'm, I'm on my way to I'm on my way to or from the gym. But, you know, I mean, when's the last time you saw Bill Gates in a suit? Fucking uh, Steve Jobs died in that black mock neck. Like, are you serious? Mock neck jeans and horrible sneakers. That is that is my idea of a successful man. That's how I know who's successful. You know, they, they dress like shit. <laughs> Rich white guys dress horribly. Richard, Richard Branson be fly. That's the owner of Virgin. He's pretty fly, but he don't wear a tie. He wears the unbuttoned shirt, and he's—I think he's British. No British guys be on that—that—that that, that, um, business casual. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. And then there's a lot of jobs where if you show up to an interview in a suit, they look at you like a clown. You thought this was a suit job? Like, what are you, what are you doing right now? So, I don't know. I say all that to say. Um, I don't know how I got on that tangent, but what what is he doing? What is he doing out there in eight degree weather on a bike, if not for some sweet peach, if not for to hum on the plum? You know, like what is he doing? That's the only thing that would get me out of the house in, in below zero weather or some money. You know, two things I will ride the bike in eight degree weather for: um, family in danger. Three things: family in danger, money. And some high quality vagina. Moving on. So I've never seen this show, Sixteen and Pregnant. Uh, I've watched some clips of it in preparation for this topic. Um, I am intrigued at the fact that the only people I see on it are white girls, because I guess it would be too easy. Or too hard to pick a uh, a sixteen and pregnant black girl or a minority girl because I know there's a lot of them. I mean, it was a Latino chick that got pregnant. It was a, it was probably a Latino chick and a black chick that got pregnant at my high school while I was there. Um, but sixteen and pregnant looks like primarily um, white girls, which I thought was pretty interesting. Um, but I'd like to talk about two of them specifically right now. The first one I'd like to talk about is uh, the piece of shit. I don't want to call her a piece of shit. 
she's just um she seems very opportunistic. And when I say that, I mean she like 16 and pregnant, like what you're here for is not necessarily positive. It's not something to be proud of. It's not something that you should be ashamed of. But it's not something that should so so blatantly be treated and looked at as a step up or as a introduction into celebrity stardom. If that makes any sense. Follow me now. Follow me, follow me, follow me. So the first one is uh, Farah Abraham. Um, now Farah, I, I feel no, no qualms about calling a piece of shit. Um, from the clips I have seen of her on the show, very disrespectful to her mom. Um, definitely some shit she's done in front of her child that I done and said in front of her child that I wouldn't do and say in front of mine. Um, after the 16 and pregnant show, she got some pretty significant plastic surgery done. A couple of her procedures, which were botched. Looking at her at certain points, I really can't tell what was done incorrectly. Or, you know, I can't tell the only thing that was done incorrectly. I mean, in certain videos, her, her lips look to protrude a little more than they should. So I'm thinking she got some collagen injections. Um, her boobs look larger and one is definitely lower than the other and not in like the natural sense you know like i've seen some nice boobs and like one you know one may be slightly larger than the other you can't really tell unless you're really like doing some hands-on investigating investigation but, you know, just from the eye, you can kind of see that, you know, okay, oh, okay. You know, just like guys, like, I don't know, like, guys, my dick, you know, it, like, it like swings to one side, you know. I think all guys do, right? Like, it swings to, like, my, I'm left-handed, so mine naturally um, leans to the left, I suppose. But, um, and then, like, I, I saw her on Big Brother recently, Big Brother UK, and I guess it was, like, a reality star, quote-unquote, episode. And it looks like she might have got, like, some ass injections or something. Like, she's just going ham with the fucking, with the, um, with, with the plastic surgery and just the, the, the self-improvement, I guess it could be in some way called or phrased. But... She also has a, a, a quote-unquote sex tape. Now, listen. Um, I would never call myself a porn enthusiast. I would never say that about myself. I, As I've spoken about on this podcast before, I go through what I would describe as like porn phases. Um, sometimes I'll be really into porn. Sometimes it doesn't even cross my mind. Um, and it doesn't always correlate with like whether I'm having sex, a lot of sex at the time or not. Like sometimes I'm just really into looking at it and sometimes I'm just really not. Um, I've also seen my share of sex tapes. Um, 
obviously Kim Kardashian and Ray J come to mind. Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee come to mind. Um, I've only seen that one with the the Love and Hip Hop one, the one with uh, was that Tammy and Nico? Are that their names? Is that their names? I've only seen that one like once or twice, and I can't. From what I remember, there were some. Was there a cameraman? Was there a third-party camera, or was he holding his up? Was he set, was he setting it up? Was he doing set shots? I can't really remember. It was. It didn't meet other criteria I have for sex tapes. Throw in that Paris Hilton joint too. Number one, rules of sex tapes. Number one, and this is getting hard now. Pause with the advancements in technology because I mean I shoot 4K on my cell phone. You know, uh, if you got a, if you got a, you know, all the big cell phones right now, I believe shoot 4K. Galaxy S Note shoots for uh, Note 5 shoots 4K. Um, iPhone 6S uh, Plus shoots 4K. So the quality of video argument is not as solid as it used to be. Okay, because you used to get those like gritty, like tracking in the beginning. You know, sex tapes, you know, like the Tommy Lee and, and uh, Tommy Lee and Pam one. So there's that. Second off, there has to be some candidness to to the video. It can't be like this, you know, scripted. He comes in, she comes in, they sit down, they change clothes. They do all this other weird shit like, no, there needs to be. You need to feel like you are watching something that at the time they thought would never get out, which I guess is somewhat my issue with the Tammy and Nico one, because, I mean, they're like hidden angles. They're doing like like positions and it's like being captured, like in frame, perfectly in focus. Like there is some fishiness to that one. And I guess at some point she's like admitted to it or he's admitted to it. Whatever, whatever. I'm not really uh, I'm not really caught up on that. All I'm saying is. I mean, the Paris Hilton one was in night vision at some point, right? Like she's got one that was in night vision. Crazy. But this Farrah Abrams one. Number one, I have to clarify if it's even. Consi- well, she she refers to it as a sex tape. But I would just I I would just call it a porno. Like she was in a porn. She's done porn. Cause she was with James Dean. And James Dean, not James Dean, um Rebel Without a Cause, James Dean. James Dean, the porn star who I guess is presently up on rape charges. I don't know. Oh, careful. But you don't do sex tapes with professional porn stars, as far as I know. I mean, I, I I haven't done a sex tape recently, but um, you don't do them with professionals and they, they're not sponsored. I mean, not before you sell them, but this one, even before it was sold, seems like it was it was very staged and lighted correctly. And they had like, I don't know if they had a hard script, but they definitely had like talking points. And it just seemed very like everything she does seems like now that I've gained some kind of notoriety, I want to do something with it. And again, your notoriety isn't like positive. Like it's not like you 
It's not like you wrote a book. It's not like you uh, have a talent where you sing songs. Although I do believe that she's put out an album or released a single or something. I don't know. I mean, this just goes into the whole issue of like, what is famous now? What is a talent? Um, But, you know, she's got a daughter who unfortunately, most certainly will follow in some way in our footsteps. And in situations like that, I'm glad. In situations like that, where she's been a piece of shit to her parents, specifically her mom, on TV, embarrassed her. Um, I hope that her daughter goes through a hellacious period where she is, you know, giving back all the shit that she gave to her mom, for sure. But that's one extreme. You have Farrah Abrams, got on the show, hasn't had any more kids, I don't think, but, you know, has in some way parlayed this into um into a lucrative situation for herself when it uh, by all accounts was supposed to be um in some way a reckoning or a a um an understanding of something of, of a mistake that she made, I guess. But I guess when you get put on a TV show because you got pregnant at 16, what is and isn't open to exploitation is somewhat blurred, right? You don't really know what is what is good attention and what is bad attention when you seemingly get famous for things that in more common areas or more common neighborhoods or family situations can make or break family relationships. I know people who got pregnant at 16 and were kicked out of the house. People who got pregnant at 16 and were, you know, um, social pariahs. You have to you have to switch schools. People look at you like you're a hoe. Um the boy or the, the the father of the baby usually doesn't feel any of these um any of the, the reverberations of these actions, but that's much like, uh, I guess that's the flip side of rape. You know, when, when, a, um, if a girl accuses a boy of rape and then retracts it, or, you know, in the case of the accidental college situation where the girl and the boy were out, they were both drunk, their text messages, uh, there are, are text messages that, um, prove that it was consensual sex, that she asked him to come over, that she was, Text him multiple times asking when he would show up and even text him and make sure he brought protection, protection in the form of contraception or condoms. He got expelled. And all the findings found that he was innocent, that it was that it was consensual sex, but he got expelled and she got to stay in school like nothing was wrong. There are there are double standards for everybody on both sides, but. She has some way, in, in some way, I guess, made lemonade out of these lemons. Um, so on one side of the 16 and pregnant spectrum, you have, you have that. You have her. On the other side of the spectrum, though, you have... What's this, what's this young lady's name? Automatically a different level of respect. What's this young lady's name? Nicole Paloon? Paulin? We'll say Paulin. P-A-U-L-U-N. Um, mother of two has somehow created a firestorm with Facebook posts describing her monthly dinner dates with her six-year-old son. He opens the door for her. He pulls out her chair. 
talks about his day, asks how hers was, and she says that her son even pays the bill, including the tip, with money he has earned doing chores. Now, her claim is that by doing this, she's teaching him some sense of responsibility. She's um, teaching him. She's, she's laying out a foundation of how to treat women. Um, he learns how to do math um, by leaving a 15% tip. And it's, it, it seems by all accounts to be a very positive um, and thought out situation. Now, I can definitely identify with this uh, for several reasons. Number one, I have been trained by my father and my mother and uh and and people in my family otherwise to take care of my mother um as soon as i was old enough or big enough to open a door i was taught to open a door for her or you open a door for women and the first woman you generally come in contact with is your mother so you open a door for your mother um you tell your mother that the dinner was good. You thank her for, for breakfast or you thank her for dinner, for food, whatever. There are certain things that growing up with, a, you know, and Chris Rock has a joke about it. Tell your mother dinner was good. Tell your mama, tell your mama you enjoyed the dinner. Tell your, thank you, mama. Tell your mama thank you. Um, and you, you learn to do those things on your own. Now, she has gotten a lot of backlash from this. Um, and I, I would have to read the claims of how they're saying this is negative. Um, because she posted it and I guess she delivered it. Uh, she, she erased it, but, um, I guess one, uh, anti, one anti Nicole or one, one, one person who was against this said that while this is a lovely idea, I don't like the idea that you make your son spend money he earns by doing chores on taking you for dinner. I get the idea behind it, but it's a little unfair to suggest that unless you make him do it, that then he'll turn into a bad guy when it comes to women. I mean, I don't know about that. I mean, let's keep it 100. I mean, she's probably giving him the allowance. So all this money is his. I mean, all this money is hers. I mean, what is she doing? What is he doing with the money anyway? Buying toys, buying candy, which is a lesson that people need to learn because, I mean, my mom, my mom taught me very early that you have to make decisions. Um, I remember distinctly there were times where there would be, you know, um, there'd be a birthday party one weekend and I may get invited to my cousin's house to hang out one weekend too. And she says, you can't do both. You can do one. You need to pick one. And at that time and hearing it, even in that bubble, in that context, it may seem like a very, um, what's the word for it? Like rudimentary or a very, a, a not, not a decision that holds a lot of consequence, but that's fine because that's how you learn to make decisions. The, the, the first decisions you want to make should be of no consequence because if you make the wrong one, you have more of a tendency to learn from it instead of suffering from it. You understand what I'm saying? So, 
in you know in knowing that he has to take his mom out for this date every month i mean there's a lot of easy shit that he can learn from he can learn scheduling well mom maybe we should do this earlier in the month because later in the month i'm going to be with dad or later in the month i'm going to be doing this or um you know uh keeping track of his money I can't spend all my money on cotton candy and toys because I got to remember I got to pay for this at the end or I got to pay for, you know, me and mom's dinner. And who says that they're going to Ruth Chris? Are they going to um, Maud's Liquor Bar? Are they going to um, Fogo? No, I don't think so. I mean, for all intents and purposes. And for the purpose of this this lesson that he's learning with him only being six, they could be going to Dairy Queen. They could be going to McDonald's. That's not the part that matters. The part that matters is he's learning in some sense to control his money and to manage his time. He's only taking it out once a month. I mean, I don't know. Like, Like my mom said this earlier when I ran it by her and... No matter what the decision is, there's always going to be someone that doesn't like or has something negative to say about what you chose to do. I mean, my mom, I'm pretty sure, still still hears shit about the way she raised me and my sister. But comparatively to, you know, her friends and their children, we're doing okay. There's some doing slightly better than us. There's some doing slightly worse than us there's some doing a lot better than us and there's some doing a lot worse than us what i can say is that my sister's not pregnant i haven't got no chick pregnant um i'm experiencing my longest bout of quote-unquote unemployment right now but i'm still paying my bills and taking care of business to a certain extent um my sister can be abrasive but she's a pretty decent person for all you know all considered so uh, she's and and she still gets flack about you know letting us i don't i wouldn't say we talked back but we were allowed to discuss things probably more than other kids were and some strict parents may see it as uh being slightly disrespectful I mean, I did a lot of hooming and humming when my mom told me to do some shit, but I did it. You know, she allowed me to talk my little shit or whatever, but shit got done. And now, uh, you know, I, I feel like that helped me on a debate team. That helped me definitely with this podcast. Definitely helped me argue down some of these women I didn't dealt with in my life. Holly, if you hear me. But. I mean, there's always going to be somebody that has something to say about what you're doing. There's a certain there, there's a certain point where you have to really dig your heels in and say, look, this is my shit and I'm going to do it the way I want to. Now, on one hand, Farah has definitely dug her heels in on what I would deem a negative side of that coin. I keep saying coin from because uh, I need to watch heat because I keep running that, that scene in my head. You know, there's another side to that coin. You know, there's a flip side to that coin. That's uh, Robert De Niro. Anyway, I don't really have a problem with what, uh, what Nicole is doing with our son. Um, 
I do. It it does kind of border on symptom. So I wanted to be careful about that. You know, don't be raising some little soft ass nigga who feels like the only way to contribute to a relationship or the only way to have a hold in a relationship is to pay for things because there's a fine line between that. But also in in an age of Netflix and chill, you do want him to know that there is a difference between hanging out with a woman and taking her out and going out on a date where you assume that there is or, or where you would like to think that there is a certain amount of respectability to it. So that's my spiel on that. Again, I've never seen this damn show. Um, we'll never watch it. I looked for some highlight clips. Apparently, they brought it back with like a 16 and pregnant OG moms, OG moms return or some shit. I didn't watch that either. But. You know, raise your kids how you want to. All my people who got children out there, I mean, unless it's negative, you know, like I got a goddaughter and I pick and choose what I, what I, you know, talk to her father about that I agree with or disagree with, you know, like I feel like she needs a bedtime. There's no way I should be coming over his crib at 11 to drink and watch the game and she's meeting me at the door. God daddy. No, my nigga. <laughs> and this is me talking to her. Hey, hey, my little nigga, you need to be in the bed or something, right? Like, you're not sleepy? Not yet. Mm-mm. Nah, we need to go run around the block real quick. You need to be in the bed. And it just makes it easier. Like, it, with her not having a bedtime now, it's going to make it really hard when she starts school. You know? I had a bed. For a long time, my bedtime was eight. I feel like I had a bedtime until... I definitely still had a bedtime in fifth grade. My bedtime was after New York Undercover went off. So that was about 10 o'clock. Or was it was it 9 o'clock? Did New York Undercover come on? New York Undercover came on from 8 to 9. And then ER came on from 9 to 10. I think that's how that, I think that's how that block worked. But yeah, I went to sleep after in New York Undercover. Because I was a TV kid. I watched a lot of TV growing up. But yeah, man, and 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 I, my mother also has shouts out to Nikki again. Her kids got bedtimes, and I'm pretty sure it's beneficial all the way around, you know. Um, and that's something that she's. I'm pretty sure she's like talked to my mom about getting from her. And my mom had a. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to tout me and my sister as like the best kids ever because we obviously have our shortcomings and downfalls, but. Um, I don't know if I could, a lot of kids want to raise, a lot of people want to raise their kids a lot differently than their parents did. I wouldn't raise my kids just like my mom and dad did. Um, because I, I mean, I would obviously be more involved in my child's life when they come around, hopefully God willing, than, than my father was. And not because of any fault of his own. I mean, my dad is disabled. So there's a lot of shit I'm sure he wanted to do that he couldn't do, but he had, um, he had emissaries, you know what I'm saying? Uncle Reggie, shouts out to Uncle Reggie. His birthday's coming up. It's going to be a tough day. Um, Uncle Chuck, Uncle Daryl, you know, Uncle Turt. Guys that showed me um, what he couldn't in certain circumstances. But um, I, would, I would take a lot of the lessons that I learned from my mom and dad and the way they did things with me, and I would definitely pass them on and, and do some of the shit very similarly. Um, there's some shit I would change. Um, but for the most part, I'd, I'd go for it, but 
I don't know. If if you're gonna pick somebody to snipe on or to, to somebody's back to jump on out of this sixteen and pregnant shit, somebody definitely needs to put a leash on Farah. Cause when her daughter gets to be sixteen and seventeen, maybe younger than that, maybe fourteen and fifteen. And she's on YouTube and she's seeing, you know, the kind of shit her mom was on. The way the way her mom treated her mom, treated her grandmother. Um the sex tapes, the behavior on the, the other reality shows, it's very hard to have respect for somebody like that. Just want to put that out there. Not that, not that they listen. I mean, they might. I hope so. I know I got some people in Cali listening. But, um, yeah, be careful with that one, baby. Because that could come back and bite you in the ass hard. Hard. What parts of California I got people listening in? Let's check it out real quick. Hold on. Marina Del Rey. I don't know who I know Marina Del Rey. Uh, I guess that's the only person in California I got right now. Counts are down, baby. I've only had two plays in the last 24 hours. We got to get that number up. Remember, if you're not sharing, you're not a fan. Um, Gus, make sure people is checking you out on here, man. Make sure they're not just checking out your episode. Check them all out. Feel me, family? I feel you, B. Um, talk a little sports. Top ten point guard list came out. Was this ESPN's list? Somebody did a list of the top ten point guards in NBA history. I'll run them down for you. Number one, Magic Johnson. Number two, Oscar Robinson. Number three, John Stockton. Number four, Steph Curry. Number five, Isaiah Thomas. Number six, Chris Paul. Number seven, Steve Nash. Number eight, Jason Kidd. Number nine, Walt Frazier. Rounding it out at number 10, Mr. Bob Cousy. Now, can someone explain to me why Steph Curry is on this list? I'll, I'll wait. This isn't this isn't one of those times you hate Gus. Nothing is wrong with your stereo system. Your headphones have not unplugged. You're not buffering right now. I'm just waiting on someone to tell me how Steph Curry in his how many how many seasons has Steph Curry been in the league? Uh, 2011? He's been in the league since 2011? Steph Curry. Curry. Steph Curry. Uh, whoa, what is that? Stop. Hammer time. Uh, he was drafted seventh overall in 2009. So 2009, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 14, 15, 15, 16. So this is his fifth year in the league. Now, let's not forget that his first three, two or three years, he was injured every year. I'm pretty sure he's broken both ankles. Okay. He was fragile. He didn't have... Um, he didn't have a lot of, uh, I guess that was really the only big knock that I can really pick pick on him for. He was he was injury prone. Steph, fuck, Steph, 
Curry injuries. Um, concussion, sore right ankle, injury news and status. He 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 had a lot of injuries early on in his career. He was not thought to be a very durable, um, very uh, a player that could play a high volume of minutes. And then out of nowhere, he just started shooting the ball like crazy. Now, you must differentiate between prolific shooter and prolific point guard. People are not going to like this, but the, the most prolific point guard in the league right now is Rajon Rondo. Nobody goes out there and plays the position of point guard, floor general, distributing the basketball to big men, shooters on the wing, and when in need. I guess that would be his downfall. The fact that when everybody is covered and double teamed and people are sagging, the defense is sagging on him, he doesn't have a high percentage, a high shooting percentage on his own. But I'm pretty sure he holds the record for assists in a game um, by a large margin. Rajon Rondo is, in my opinion, one of the best point guards right now in the league. And I know uh, people are not really fucking with him because he just, you know, he called the gay referee a faggot. Whether he knew that the faggot was a faggot. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was that was a lot. Whether he knew that the official was gay or not, when he made this comment out of anger, which is a comment you use towards straight people too, as a man, males use the term faggot um, as a derogatory term in most cases towards straight men, but in extreme cases, and in this one, a possibly accidental use Against a gay man. So I totally understand why Rajon Rondo is not on this list. Um, Steve Nash. Steve Nash was good for like two or three seasons. Like he doesn't have the large. He doesn't have a large enough body of work in my mind to be on this list. But even if he is on the list. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I guess seven would be an acceptable spot. Chris Paul is a little is on here a little prematurely to me. I mean, how far is he? How many times has he gone out of the second round of the playoffs? I, I, again, this is not a pause. This is me just waiting and thinking. But I mean, Magic. I can definitely see Magic being first. He's definitely got the range to support it. Oscar Robinson, all I can take is what people tell me because I'm not that old. Um, I mean, I barely remember Magic playing. Um, John Stockton. Now, listen. Um, Carl Malone, I believe, is the leading scorer in NBA history. Leading scorer in NBA history is all-time points leader. Let's check it out. On time point. Okay, so he's second. Right now, as the list stands, it is Kareem Abdul Jabbar, number one, with 
38,003, almost 400. Carl Malone with 36,000, um, almost 37. Kobe Bryant with 33. Michael Jordan with 32,000. Um, I mean, I don't really see. LeBron James right now is at number 27. He could definitely move up on here. Oscar Robinson is number 11. So I could see how he could be on this list. But again, he seems like another one of those point guards that scored a lot. Vince Carter's number 25. Allen Iverson's is 23. Ray Allen is done. Reggie done. Yeah, as far as active players with a chance to really move up on this list, it's really just LeBron James at number 17 right now. Basically, at the he's at the end of his prime, I would think. But, um, I mean, if you're talking about rings, I mean, Tony Parker could be on there. I don't see why Tony Parker isn't on there. Tony Parker has three championship rings, one finals MVP, I believe. Um, but John Stockton should not be on this. John Stockton should be way lower on this list. I mean, all-time assist leaders in the NBA. I'm pretty sure John Stockton is at the top of this list, right? John Stockton, Jason Kidd, Steve Nash. Okay, so maybe I'm slightly wrong about Steve Nash. Steve Nash is third on the all-time assist leaders. But see, John Stockton's stats are so padded because he was giving the ball to Carl Malone the whole time. That's why they're one and two. And still, let's not get it twisted, neither one of them have championship rings. Jason Kidd should be ahead of Steve Nash. And they're, they're, what is that, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. They're seven and eight. They need to give J-Kid that seven spot just on the fact that he eventually won a ring with the Mavs. And he's a coach, or he was a coach. Is Jason Kidd still coaching? I don't think so. Steph Curry should no way be fourth. No way be fourth. He's nowhere near... The assist leader, and he's gonna go down, and he's gonna go down in the in the in the history books as way more of a shooter than a um than a a fucking um than a point guard. People aren't gonna remember that he's gonna they're, they're gonna remember that he was a part of a very good shooting backcourt. They're not going to say that he was the best point guard. I mean, the leader in assists on that team is Draymond Green. So how the hell? I mean, listen. If you're gonna bring people on this team that don't have um, that don't have rings, where's Mark Jackson? Mark Jackson is ahead of Magic Johnson in assists, not by a lot, by about two hundred. But I mean, this list is. I mean, there's a lot of people who are like within hundreds of hundreds of assists of each other. I mean, Isaiah Thomas is seventh in assists, but he was a floor general. He ran that team. He was whooping the bull. And listen, this whole Isaiah Thomas argument is very hard for me as a Chicago Bulls fan. But he had his foot in Iasis for two years, three years, four years. Maybe it was four years. I mean, listen, I think of Gary Payton as a better point guard than point guard, a better point guard. Then 
Steph Curry. Steph Curry is a shooter. He's one of those dudes. He gets that point guard. He gets that point guard um, notch very much as a technicality. Very much as a technicality. He he's. Mm, I can't take anything away from him as a shooter and as a scorer. Nobody, there is nobody you have to pick up more immediately as soon as they pass half court than than Steph Curry, because he. He practices shots basically from half court. He has a rebounder when he before the games in practice, he has a rebounder that is passing him the ball in most cases still on the logo at center court. He's not it's not like he's towing the half court line and shooting from there, but he is definitely on the logo of any team on any court. And he's shooting from the logo. And and makes the shot repeatedly. He is a he is a consistent shooter from there. And I, I have no problem giving him those props. But when you come to me talking about this all time, my nigga, all time. You're telling me that Steph Curry, in his sixth year in the league, is an all-time top five point guard? Stop it. Stop it. This prisoner at a moment shit is crazy, okay? Crazy. And I guess you can't strictly go on stats because according to stats, um, Steve Nash, Jason Kidd, and St- John Stockton are ahead of Magic. And Oscar Robinson is six. Magic, Oscar Robinson, Isaiah Thomas are five, six, and seven as far as statistics go. But uh, y'all jumping the gun with this uh, with this Steph Curry shit. Y'all jumping the gun for real. John Stockton should not be ahead of Isaiah Thomas. Um, Chris Paul should not be ahead of Jason Kidd. Now this Walt Frazier and Bob Cousy shit, I'm out of I'm out of my leagues with that. I don't know about them. But if it was my list, I mean I can't really argue with Oscar Robinson. I get, I don't really know about Oscar Robinson, but my list would be Magic, um, Isaiah, Eesh, Jason Kidd, Magic, Isaiah, J- Kidd. Eesh. Magic Isaiah Kid. Magic Isaiah Jace. Uh, Magic Isaiah Kid. I guess I would put. Would I put Steve Nash before John Stockton? Listen, man. John Stockton had one target. John Stockton revolutionized the pick and roll. Him and Carl Malone and. It, 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 it reflects that because he is the leading, um, he is an assist leader, and Carl Malone is second in scoring. So you see who he was passing the ball to. It's not like if you want to, if you, okay, so we're go, we'll go white boy against white boy right now. If you want to put Stockton against Jason Kidd, I mean, uh, Steve Nash, Steve Nash was dropping dimes to Amari. He was dropping dimes to, um, 
Matrix, uh, Sean Marion. He everything that Chris Paul does with DeAndre Jordan and early on with Tyson Chandler. All of that shit is shit that Steve Nash was doing. Him and um, who was the Suns coach? Suns coach. Mike D'Antoni. All that stuff is stuff that D'Antoni was doing. That's European ball. Cut, pick and roll to the basket. Alley-oop in there. So I don't want to say Chris Paul loses points on that for me, but he's Chris Paul is basically doing a very good Steve Nash impression. And Steph Curry does it too. Listen, when that point guard drives the lane and then does that, that U-turn, when they, they dribble, they drive the lane, dribble under the basket, come out, kick the ball down into the paint, that's Steve Nash. And listen, please, if somebody was doing, if Steve Nash got it from somebody, which I don't doubt that he did, call me on it. That's fine. But from when I was playing basketball, when Steve Nash was with the Suns, that was his move. He drove to the basket, U-turned, kicked it out, dumped it down into the paint to Amari or to Matrix or to um, um, uh, Rajah Bell out on the wing or to um, uh, who's the Brazilian cat? Uh, Barbosa, Leandro Barbosa. Come on, man. Um, Boris Diaw. Listen, those 60, those 60 win teams, those 58 win teams with the Suns. I don't know, bro. I can't go. I can't go with Steph Curry being the fourth best, fourth best point guard of all time right now when the most thing we talk about is his shooting. That doesn't make him the most prolific um, or one of the 10 best point guards, the fact that he can shoot from anywhere on the floor. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I definitely see how that comes up in this microwave society we live in, where it's, it's way easier to crown who you know and who's in your face right now Rather than to do just a little bit of research and find out who's real and who's fake. Who's real and who's fake. And I'm not saying he's fake. I mean, like I said, he's not the best point guard on his team. If point guards are judged on who, on how they improve the team as a whole, Draymond Green is the best point guard on their team. Keep it 100. And I don't even really like giving niggas from East Lansing props like that for personal reasons. But Draymond Green is the best point guard on their team. I'm sorry, ladies. I know this is a lot of sports talk, but I just had to get this out. My man Will, shouts out to Will, tagged me on a post. A lot of people were saying it. I think he I think he had some uh, Steph Curry stands that he was trying to send a message to. But, um, yeah, man, I'm trying to tell you. I mean, I put Magic up there. Isaiah was definitely one of the best point guards, floor generals. Um, Magic and Isaiah were from that that era where the point guard distributes the ball, and if you need them to get 20 points, they can get 20 or 25 points when they need to. 
But Magic Johnson will tell you that Isaiah was a killer. I don't know if he would say he's better than him, but Magic Johnson will tell you that Isaiah Thomas busted him for 25 and one quarter on one leg, my nigga. Whatever game that was where um Mag- uh, Isaiah was playing in the Etonics, that's a shoe. He's playing in the low top Etonics, twisted his ankle. Ankle was the size of a, a grapefruit. He wrapped that shit up and limped the whole game and busted him for 25 in his face, my G. And I'm a Bulls fan. I'm a Bulls fan telling you this. Jason Kidd, any player who played after Jason Kidd, if they tell you Jason Kidd didn't affect their game, you're lying. You're lying. But yeah, Steph, they they Steph, what I'm taking from this list, Steph Curry is crowned too early. We're, uh you're setting yourself up for a big fall. Um the Jordan, the Jordan opinion of Isaiah Thomas is still very much affecting how his legacy is seen and how he will go down in the annals of NBA history. Because to keep it 100, there's no way that ringless John Stockton should be on this list before Isaiah Thomas. Chris Paul should be in the top 10, but I don't think he should. One, two, three, four, five, six. Uh, It should be Jason Kidd. Steve Nash, and then Chris Paul. And I don't think Chris Paul would have an issue with that. I think Chris Paul knows that at this point, all his accolades and his his um, his legacy is very much dependent on showing us that you can take this team to the next level. And the next level means we need you in the Western Conference Finals, and we need you to uh, at least compete for a title. But yeah, okay, I'm done. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know sports talk went a little long. I'm sorry. I'm done with the sports talk. Um, In closing, last topic. Um, Rest in peace, David Bowie. Um, Will, shout out to Will. I've I've dropped his name a couple times uh, today. Uh, He... Because Will, um, Will is very much a musical lexicon. Will's a singer. He, um, I mean, he sings at events and functions, so he has to familiarize himself with various forms of music. Um, I am very much just an appreciator of multiple genres of music, um, artists, and, and whatnot. So I, um, and... and in some cases, more specifically, um, alternative forms of music and whatnot. I have always been, or not always, but I, I've, I'm a big fan of David Bowie. Um, my favorite album of his is the Station to Station album. Um, I don't, I don't want to say it's slept on, but it's not. You know, when people think of David Bowie, they think of fame. Fame, fame, make you man, drink and roller. Fame. Awesome song. Um, 
changes. Ch-ch-ch-changes time. Face the change. changes Um Time will change me. Or um Ground control to Major Tom. Ah. Take your protein pills and put your helmet on. This is ground control to Major Tom. But stay on that Station to Station album. TVC15 on that Station to Station album. The ballad he's got on there. Um, what's the name of the ballad? Word on a wing, ha! Oh. And then the title trick, the title track, station to station. Listen, he was definitely on some super funky shit, and I, I love that album. And um, I mean, all the different looks he had, the whole. I mean, I don't know. He he's a very influent. When if you're seeing people gender bending, um. I don't know who was out before him or Prince, but a lot of that, you know, and slightly androgynous shit that Prince be on is very David Bowie-esque. Um, a lot of the shit that on the, on the low, a lot of the shit that Marilyn Manson does in terms of kind of looking like a chick or changing his look. The way Madonna has seemingly stayed relevant by presenting herself in different lights very, very David Bowie inspired. And um, uh, as you all know, one of my favorite artists is Saul Williams. Saul Williams actually, uh, I mean, did he bite it? He kind of bit it. Um, he, David Bowie has a um, an album called Ziggy Stardust. So... Saul Williams did an album called Niggy Tardust, um, kind of an homage to David Bowie and his uh, musical and cultural fashion style, just all of the things that he's affected through his um, through his art. And um, yeah, man, it's it's a. Uh, it, I'm getting to the age where people that have affected my life, people that I would like like to meet at some point or, you know, would really want to are falling off the earth. And uh, it just in a way, it puts me in a position where I feel like I need to get on it before more of these people die. I told my mom that David Bowie is probably one of the only white dudes that I would change my profile picture to. And I probably need to change it back to something now because it's been a bit of it's been a while. It's been up for a couple days, but I don't know. Rest in peace, David Bowie. Um, I was affected by your life and now I find myself affected by your death. Episode 30 of the Rojo Show. Um shouts out to all the contributors, shouts out to guests. Um, thank you all for listening thus far. Um, it's 30 episodes. It is not 30 weeks, though, because, you know, I took that little uh, sabbatical midway through dealing with that life shit. So, um, yeah, I just want to tell everybody I appreciate the support. 
I appreciate you sharing the show. Remember, if you're not sharing, you're not a fan. Hit me up at therojoshow at gmail.com. Hit me up on Facebook at The Rojo Show, on Twitter under Rojo. Hit me up on Instagram, shy, ro, shy underscore Rojo1. Um, again, thanks everybody for listening. Have a great rest of the day. I'm going to get this posted right now. And um, I'll see y'all next week. Love is love, love, love is love, love. One.